L-E. He has both free shows and paid shows, kind of like Ben Shapiro, but there is a not his his program, his content is nothing like Ben Shapiro. I more meant the the pricing model. But you can find plenty of free content on YouTube. And that's what we're going to be listening to today, where he ties in the two subjects I have talked about extensively, both the idea of a national divorce and just me getting very all up in a libertarian lather about the civil rights violations, just the the utter appalling situation created by the pandemic. And he ties these two issues together and brings in some theories that are plausible. And it really gave me food for thought. So I wanted to share some of that with you. So we'll play some clips and I'll give some commentary. But before we get started on that, I would like to talk about one of my sponsors. And that is approval voting. Approval voting moves us beyond two-party thinking. It leads to fewer spoilers, and it diffuses that whole nonsensical, quote-unquote, wasted vote syndrome. Voters can vote for both a candidate that they really like, but probably has little to no chance of winning, and also a more popular candidate that has a chance of winning. It also leads to more civility. When a group of friends gets together and are trying to decide upon a restaurant or movie, they use a show of hands, which is basically approval voting. It also leads to less polarization. The voter is not uh, forced to focus on only two candidates, so this will indeed move us beyond two-party thinking. For more information, contact my friend Frank Atwood, and I mean that quite literally. I know Frank very well by phone or text at 720-439-6000 or search for Colorado's approval voting party. And just a little bit on approval voting. At the time you're listening to this, I will be serving as advisory parliamentarian to the Mises Caucus at the Arizona Libertarian Party Convention in Tucson. And they will be electing a certain slate That is probably the wrong word. Obviously, each special interest group has a slate, but I meant the whole state itself. The state, the Arizona Libertarian Party gets a certain number of delegates to send to the National Convention. All of the assembled state delegates at that convention will then be voting on a select number of their own to send off to national. And what they use for that and what most states use to select their national delegates is approval voting. Because say you'll have about 30 people, let's just say, that want to be a national delegate, but you only have 15 seats to fill. So what you do is you pass out a ballot to everyone who's entitled to vote, and they get to approve up to the number of empty slots. So they get to approve up to 15 candidates, and the first 15 to get a majority vote. The highest above that, if a lot of people get a majority vote, are the ones to win. It's a perfect system for those types of elections. All right, so let's now move on to these Tim Pool clips, and let's see what we can learn today. It's it's a meme, but uh, I think civil war is inevitable. I absolutely do. Because in Boston and Chicago, yeah. I, I know people in Chicago because I, I'm dumb from there. And a bunch of the people I know have been posting on things on Facebook like, I'm scared. Mm. They're going to force me to do this. Yeah. It's crazy to hear from people I know being like, what do I do? I'm going to lose my job. What do I do? They're going to make me do this. And it's just like, 
you have to leave. You have to leave. Y'all voted for this. That's the funniest thing. Some of these people are Biden voters, yeah. Democrat voters. Yeah. And with a smile on their face, they went in there and they rubber stamped Democrat. Now they're going, why is this happening to me? Okay, I think it's entirely true that even though I have felt like this idea, this ideological divide that we have has been an increasing inevitability for a divorce for some time, just like an affair can be the cracking point in an already bad marriage, these mandates, they are a cracking point in an already bad marriage between just this wide gulf in our country. So I think he set that up very well, that this will be the flashpoint. But in the past, it just, you couldn't divide, as you were, the nation cleanly. Because these different ideological divides certainly existed, but they didn't exist along geographic lines. And he's going to deal with a theory on how this will no longer be a case and not matter anymore. So let's continue. They, they are absolutely going to go national with the mandates. It is going to affect every... I, I, don't, I don't see the red states escaping this. But at the very least, you know, in West Virginia, we are so far removed from everything that I really don't see enforcement as being possible. Right. Right. And it comes down to the county sheriff, ultimately. Right. Is the county sheriff going to enforce these things? And one thing that I remember when uh, the Virginia governor was making noise that they were going to try to pass legislation that was going to really curtail Second Amendment rights, a bunch of county sheriffs got together and were like, we will not enforce this. Come at us. And at the same time, uh, the West Virginia legislature, or at least one of the legislators there was like, hey, all you counties in Virginia. If you don't want to do that, come on over here to West Virginia. Yep, and people that. act like it's such a crazy thing. But um, hello, why does West Virginia exist in the first place? Because the civil war happened. Well, I, I know, recall. but they but they had different political ideas and they split up. Yep. Like this is not an this is not an insane idea to have the states uh, disassemble and reassemble in some capacity. And he's exactly right. You know, we today have forgotten the significance of the states as they were originally intended to be. And this idea comes up a lot in libertarian circles, such as our advocacy for the abolition of the Federal Department of Education. And we say, let each state be its own little experiment as to what works best. And if people really hate the way their children are being educated in one state, obviously it's not a tiny thing to pack up and move, but it's certainly not an undoable thing. And people will start to flock to the states that have the systems that better suit their particular lifestyles and ideals. And that is what we're starting to see happen. There will be certain localities here, depending upon the law, but we're talking about mandates now where certain local officials will just refuse. They will absolutely refuse to enforce a federal mandate. And the areas that start to do that are going to attract the people who do not want to comply with this. We are already seeing people, for instance, flock to Florida. We are already starting to see this happen. And we know there's precedent already for local officials to refuse to enforce federal law. Look what happens here 
with, say, the legalization of marijuana, or even state law with some of these red flag laws that have come out. There have been some sheriffs that have just absolutely refused to enforce them. All right, we're going to be coming up on a break in a minute, well, a couple minutes actually, but I want to see if we can sneak in another clip and we'll take up the rest of it after the break. I, I could care less. Oh, I'm sorry. I could not care less. That's the appropriate. Uh, way, that's the correct way to say it. I could not care less if California legalized every drug in the planet and then some. I don't live there. I don't care. It has nothing to do with me. But when cities start saying you must undergo a permanent and irreversible medical procedure, people flee those cities and they go to red areas. And some of these people are, you know, normies. They're not going to be voting. Some of them might vote Democrat. But what you're doing is, right now in this country, what did Bill Maher say? There can't be, there can't be a civil war in this country because the Mason-Dixon line would go through Nana's kitchen. Ha 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 ha, says the audience. But that's because we had nothing but an ideological polarization. What the vaccine mandates are doing is creating a geographical polarization. Mm. Now you've got people like me who lived in the Philly suburbs who moved to West Virginia because I'm like, I will not comply or live under the boot of these despots. So I go to the place where everyone's like, we got guns, buddy. And I'm like, I would like some of those guns too, sir. Hi, this is Steve Pardue, Ramsey Auto Group. My partner, Mike Ramsey, and I, we're at 6310 West 10th Street, Greeley, Colorado. RamseyAG.com, 970-443-5654. We are the working man's friend. We are a Christian-based company, and we believe in taking care of our customers even more than selling the vehicle. Come see us anytime. We specialize in large trucks and SUVs, and we do recondition our cars to a fault. 970-443-5654, RamseyAG.com, Ramsey Auto Group. Reasons to own gold, number 37. Who are the people that tell you not to own gold? Bankers, Wall Street pinstripe bandits, and all the other debt pushers out there. They believe in endless money printing that taxes all of us in the form of inflation. Make sure your wealth is protected by calling the Patriot Trading Group at 800-951-0592 or visit our website at allamericangold.com. Does Enviro Shapes Concrete do driveways? We do it! Does Enviro Shapes Concrete do patios? We do it! Does Enviro Shapes Concrete do sidewalks? We do it! Get a hold of Enviro Shapes Concrete at 303 775 7926 or enviroshapes at gmail.com. Call the Glass Doctor of Greeley. Foggy window panes, cracked or chipped windshields, glass shower installations. We do it, we do it good. Heavy equipment glass, home, business, or auto glass repair or replace. We do it real good. Call Glass Doctor of Greeley. Do it, do it good. Stupid robot! That cracks you up. Call the Glass Doctor of Greeley. 970-616-3100. That's 970-616-3100.
Okay, we are back, but before I get into the commentary on what we just heard, I want to remind you that the state convention for the Libertarian Party of Colorado, just like I'll be at the state convention for the Arizona Libertarian Party this weekend, is coming up on March 12th at the Lily Farm Fresh Event Center in Keensburg, which is in Weld County. We came up with an awesome theme for it, Grab a Liberty by the Horns, and we are going to be featuring for our nighttime gala speaker, prominent libertarian comedian and commentator Dave Smith of the Part of the Problem show. This is going to be a fantastic event, and for the next two weeks only, an all-access pass is $125. That gives you dinner, lunch, breakfast, and the show with Dave Smith. So please go to lpcolorado.org to get the link to purchase your tickets through Eventbrite. We would love to see you there. And if you do come and you are a listener to the show, please be sure to grab me and say hi. So continuing, though, on what we just heard, I think we all kind of sense this, and maybe this was obvious to you all, and it's just me that's like, ooh, clueless. But we, the pandemic is creating the physical separation. It really used to be that the ideological divide did run down the center of the Thanksgiving table. So where if you were going to divide into nations, I mean, the nations would run through households. But that's not happening anymore because people are actually picking up and self-segregating. This is what's going to set up the inevitability, but in a way it also gives me hope because that I believe that opens a path for perhaps a peaceful divorce because you're not literally again fighting with grandma over who gets what half of the house but let's go on to the next clip because he's going to bring in something I think is both frightening and fascinating and then you have the people who are like, I ain't doing that, moving out. Right. So my, my, the, my vector on this was federal law needs to be enforced. So there will be areas of the country who resist the enforcement of the federal law. It's not, it's not the federal law, bro. It's the state laws. It's the local laws. But you think, you, mayor- think that you think that the Tennessee governor is going to be like, all right, everybody get vaxxed. Why would he do that? That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Mayor Bill de Blasio is going to say, I'm going to take away your paycheck. And then 20% of the city is going to say, we will leave New York City. Do it. Then you're going to have those 20% that lean conservative moving to more conservative areas. And the polarization is now geographical. Yeah, he just better explicated the point that I had just made. Because that is exactly what we see happening before our eyes. And I would have thought this inevitable three years ago. We are voluntarily now migrating into setting up the divorce, that the divorce is already happening in slow motion, maybe not so slow, even right now before our very eyes. Now, what he is going to segue into is the fact that the Supreme Court is set to hear cases that might endanger Roe versus Wade. Now, I know a lot of people in this particular audience on the radio, since you guys are pretty much conservative, some of you may be cheering this. And as I've told you myself, my personal views are, in fact, 
pro-life in that I believe that abortion is, in most cases, we got into the libertarian nuances, the unjust taking of a rights-bearing human being. But I do not favor anti-abortion laws. So that is probably a big difference between you and I. But here lays a scenario, and I want you to understand where he's coming from. So he's saying that this geographic movement is happening, and then on the horizon is this big review of a Supreme Court decision and what this could then finalize this divorce. So let me let him make that case. It's accelerating. Then you get the June 2022 Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. Mm. The left seems to think Roe v. Wade is done for. And if that's the case, now you have hard leftist, overtly progressive or communist or socialist factions in cities and red states that have become overwhelmingly red. Mm. And then you get a wedge issue. Blue states saying we are going to run, uh, you know, uh, um, abortion clinics in violation of, you know, federal law or whatever. And then you'll end up with people fighting over it. Okay, let's move right on into the next clip because this is part of a very, it's an argument that flows and I want to give him enough time to make it. And if I didn't do the clips in a way that make it comprehensible, you know, I will supplement. So have you heard my assessment on that regard? My, 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 My potentialities I've stated about this? No. So NBC News, Slate, a bunch of left journalists said that based on the oral arguments on Roe v. Wade on the Mississippi law, the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade June 2022. That's what the left believes. I don't know if it'll actually happen because who knows? Many of these conservatives are going to be like, well, it's, it's settled law. But let's say they do. What does that really mean? Well, it means 12 states have trigger laws which will instantly ban abortion. Then you're going to have the midterms and it's going to get rowdy. If a red wave actually happens, Republicans will absolutely put forth a bill to federally ban abortion. They absolutely will. And they will have the votes to do it. Okay, now I'm not quite so sure about this, but I don't think it's completely implausible. So basically what he set up is there is this June decision coming up. From the oral argument so far, it looks like there's going to be some kind of change. Whether the change is as drastic as he thinks, which is overturning Roe versus Wade, is another story. But it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Then you have these trigger laws in which some states will outright ban abortion, that will cause an even greater geographic migration. And then he says, if the red wave happens, and I do think the red wave is going to happen, that the Republicans will take the opportunity to then federally ban abortion. Now, that's I actually think is the weakest part of his argument because the Republicans have controlled all three branches before and haven't done a darn thing about abortion. But maybe with the added, just acrimonious polarization that has been created by these mandates that have been shoved down our throat, that they might actually, and not that I want them to do this, but this is allegedly their convictions, yet they've never had the backbone to back it, that maybe they will grow a backbone. And I'm not saying that, and then admiring way, I'm just saying as a factual way, that perhaps they will actually do what they claim they stand for. And this sets up the showdown, which can go one way or another. 
And here's where things get a little scary, I think. I don't know if it's definitive. I'm just saying if the Supreme Court does this, if there's a red wave, the Republicans very likely would do this. Joe Biden very likely would veto it. Then comes 2024. You now have geographically polarized regions. The cities have become overwhelmingly blue and subservient to the state. And the red states have become overwhelmingly libertarian and anti-establishment. Well, I would disagree with his characterizing it as libertarian. Maybe libertarian in some ways, but certainly banning abortion is not libertarian. Certainly the what I see as, you know, the thin blue line worship, I know that's going to offend some people out there, but that's the way I see it, certainly is not a libertarian. The just absolute veneration of the idea of the military is not, you know, our military adventurism that's protecting our freedoms overseas is not at all libertarian. I want to make a clarification here because sometimes I don't think libertarians do this enough. While we may really, really hate the military adventurism, that doesn't mean we hate the soldiers. They are victims of the state, just like many of us are. I mean, my heart absolutely breaks when I see these advertisements, like for the you know, disabled veterans of America. I realize that I am looking at the living embodiment of human sacrifice to the religion of the state, and it absolutely breaks my heart. Okay, let's move on to the next clip. And then you get a Donald Trump victory or a Ron DeSantis victory. And they say, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sign the federal abortion ban. And the moment they do, like John Podesta asked of the West Coast, you will see blue states start to act overtly in defiance of federal law and seek to secede. Or maybe that's too much. Maybe modern sensibilities prevent them from doing it. I guarantee you, though, if we ever get to the point where there's a federal abortion ban, you will see blue states defy that. And then you will probably see conservative and Republican executive authority going in and shutting these things down, which results in a dramatic escalation of conflict. Now, that is the very interesting part of his thesis. Again, I think the weak point is that he thinks the Republicans will actually put forward a national abortion ban. I think they will concentrate on the state levels. But if that does happen, I do think his argument then gains strength again that blue states that are now very, very geographically blue will, absolutely will defy the orders. And then the question becomes, it's a game of chicken. Then what? When you have geographical polarization plus states defying federal law to the point where it's the issue of babies, you know, and abortion, yeah. I think... It's very simple. When it comes to marijuana laws, you are not going to see a conservative be like, we have to stop these dispensaries. When it comes to abortion, you absolutely will have conservatives being like, we have to go in and stop them from killing babies. Right. And he is absolutely right there. Where people saying, oh, it's a br bit of a bridge too far to say that you're going to send in the military, say, you know, or turn against fellow Americans on this issue with the people who feel very passionately about it and do believe that the force of law should be enforcing this. Yes, this is probably the one issue that they would go in with force to enforce. Okay, let's continue this after the break.
The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. 1360KHNC.com has CBD products. Click on the shop button and get yours today. Just go to 1360KHNC.com slash shop. The CBD on our website is 99% pure, all natural, no pesticides, non-GMO, is grown organically right here in Colorado, and is 100% THC free. Oh, and did you know ours is the lowest price CBD anywhere in northern Colorado? For all your CBD needs, just log on to 1360KHNC.com slash shop. At Life Choices, we are helping women and men choose life and create stable futures for their children. You can help avoid the loss of another life by going to lifechoices.org or call 303-651-2050, extension 116, and donate. Make a difference and be a part of God's work by creating a better future for kids and families. lifechoices.org or 303-651-2050. Extension 116. Hi, this is Steve Pardue, Ramsey Auto Group. My partner, Mike Ramsey, and I, we're at 6310 West 10th Street, Greeley, Colorado. RamseyAG.com, 970-443-5654. We are the working man's friend. We are a Christian-based company, and we believe in taking care of our customers even more than selling the vehicle. Come see us anytime. We specialize in large trucks and SUVs, and we do recondition our cars to a fault. 970-443-5654, RamseyAG.com, Ramsey Auto Group. Hello, my name is Keith, and I'm the host of the program, The Pursuit of God, on 1360 KHNC. And I invite you to join me Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock as we go on this great pursuit of God. continuing on the thought where we left off, where some people might find it pretty inconceivable, again, that the country would go to war against itself, but if there was one issue that would cause that, it would be this one. Because on the conservative side of the aisle, for those who feel very strongly about this, and for those who feel that this is an area that should you know, that the law should be involved in, it to them will feel as justified as the Civil War, as justified as freeing human slavery, perhaps even as justified as stopping a Holocaust. And then this again dashes my hope because there is no peaceful resolution the minute you throw this most volatile of wedge issues into the mix. But this isn't outside the realm of possibility. The way he connected these dots really just struck me. All right. 
before we get continued with more clips, I would like to stop to advertise for my husband. Are you in the market to buy or sell your home? I would hope that you would consider engaging a liberty-loving realtor that I can vouch for on the highest possible terms. My husband, Wayne Harlos of the Harlos Real Estate Team, he owns the Metro Brokers Office here in Castle Rock, but engages in consensual real estate transactions all across the state. And I vouch for him not just because he's my husband and obviously has excellent taste, but we have shared a home office for years. And in that time, I have personally witnessed the utmost time and care he takes with every client. In fact, I sometimes get put on the back burner because he needs to take care of a client. And I've bought and sold several properties in my life. And my experience has been that if you're not in the higher end of the market, particularly if you're a first-time home buyer or seller, Realtors have bigger fish to fry, and they really try to rush you into things. At least that was my experience, and they don't spend that much time with you. But that's not how Wayne operates. He really has a heart for educating people and for young couples just starting out. So getting a good and caring realtor is one of the most important decisions you can make. So please do consider giving Wayne a call at 303-229-3435 or emailing him at wayne at harlosrealestateteam.com. And while we are talking about emailing, I'd like to remind you again of my email address of pinkflameofliberty at gmail.com and that you can find more content like this at youtube.com forward slash pink flame of liberty. Okay, let's continue where we left off. And now Tim Poole and his co-hosts are actually going to be making some of the similar Civil War analogies that I had made as well. And how a union is impossible with such differing values. But I'll let them speak. You know, there is an interesting moral argument to be had here about making a union with somebody who has a different moral framework. For example, when the union was being formed back in revolutionary times, there was a lot of people plenty up north who didn't want to be in a country with the slave states. Yep. But there was a moral argument to be had, which is if we don't form a country with the slave states, they will then form their own country, and then their country will be based on this immoral thing, and it will be left alone to prosper. And so the moral argument was actually to incorporate those slave states into the union so that over time, the idea of natural law and natural rights would be able to overcome slavery. And that led to a civil war. It led, But that, that was a process that was set in motion. Right. And the civil war resolved that issue. And then we resolved it, right? Well, he's going to go on to argue, at least Tim Pool will, that it hasn't been resolved. But we'll go to that clip. I've never heard what this gentleman said before. I had never heard that that was a major argument. Always to me, the argument was all based on this, you know, we, we, we need to stay together and, and it's what eventually blossomed into manifest destiny and all of that sort of thing, that it was a compromise they were willing to make to have a country, not some kind of grand plan like friendship evangelism or, or you know, dating evangelism where the good Christian girl at high school goes, well, I'm going to date this 
this unbeliever because I'm going to eventually win him over. I've never heard that as a major argument for why a peace was brokered between the slave states and the people who weren't in favor of that. We don't know if it's, it's a bit anachronistic to call them slave states and free states that early on, but I think you... You're, you're getting my point. But let's go to the next clip where, you know, Tim Poole points out that really did things get resolved back then? I argue that the fact that we made the devil's bargain with slavery is a mortal wound that this, it was, we were doomed from the womb, that it's a mortal wound that this country could never recover from. So there is a question. And I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think it resolved slavery in the sense that that was it. And then it took a, a couple of years before we finally totally purged it. But the conflict of the Civil War has never stopped. And I don't think it ever will. And I know some people are very fond of saying, oh, this happened hundreds of years ago. Get over it. There is a psychic scar. We were founded allegedly on freedom, yet we owned other people. I, I think that is a spinning in the face of God you don't recover from. It's a mortal hypocrisy that you just don't recover from. And I don't say that with pleasure. But let's see where they go from here. It's really interesting how it's, it's probably a bit reductive to, to, to frame it this way. But, you know, just reading history and following the presidency and the elections, when I see like everyone's like, this is all because of Obama, when Obama got elected. And then I'm like, OK, so I read about Obama and everyone's like, Obama got elected because of Bush. This is all because of Bush. <laughs> then you go back to 2000, Gore versus Bush. Then you go back to Clinton. There is always something that as a catalyst leads us to this moment of polarization. And I think it's fair to say that in many ways, the Civil War never ended. There, it, it, history is all of one piece, that one thing leads to another. It's the butterfly effect. And I absolutely agree that there, there, there is an unbroken chain that started then. Of course, any history is going to be an unbroken chain, but just very, very particular to the point we are trying to make now that it was an inevitable certain American kind of polarization that happened then that just kept incrementally increasing and dividing and increasing and dividing and increasing and dividing. Or to put it in a more colloquial way where people say, oh, it was because Obama. No, it was because before that. But before that, it's turtles all the way down, baby. And kudos to any of you who, who, get, my, who get my turtle reference. I used to think that was a kind of analogy that everyone knew until people started looking at me like I sprouted a third eyeball each time I used it. Let's continue. So here's what people really don't get about what a 49-state uh, uh, landslide is. What people don't realize first, when I say 49-state landslide, you, what, what do people imagine? They imagine out of 100 million people, 90 million people voted one, one direction, and everyone's cheering and celebrating and saying, this no. is the guy we wanted, we all in agreement, this country is unified. Yeah, it wasn't no. like that, was it? No. It wasn't like that at all. No. And so younger people don't get this. Ronald Reagan got 54 million votes to Walter Mondale's 37 million. Right. It was 58% to 40%. So decisive. When, absolutely yeah. decisive. In the era where we're used to things being 48 to 48 and decided by 77,000 oh, votes and whatnot. This is nearly half the, almost half the country opposing Ronald Reagan, but 49 states 
granting their electoral votes. Abolish the electoral college. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why. Yeah. Because these 49 state landslides tend to favor Republicans. In the recent past, or even in all of the past, but I don't think it inevitably favors Republican Republicans. But I had never really realized that, that you can have something that you're characterizing as a landslide because all of the state's electoral votes went one way. But when you look at the popular vote, it was really close. Now, I know we're quite used to now where the electoral vote and the popular vote may go a different way, but it isn't 49 states all giving their electoral vote, if you understand my point. That is just really crazy, but that doesn't make me in favor of abandoning the electoral college. Abandoning the electoral college would would speed the divorce, I definitely think, because we do not all want to be ruled by California and New York. There is a reason why the Electoral College is there. And I know on some sense it seems intuitively unfair because we're trying to think like we're a sheer democracy. As I've said multiple times before, I'm not a fan of a sheer democracy. A democracy is as the, you know, it it, it might even be a trite little saying, but it has a lot of truth to it that democracy is, you know, Five, five wolves deciding, you know, how they're going to eat the four sheep. Well, we're in the majority, so we get to eat you. But if you can have a landslide in which 49 of the states go one way, but the electoral vote is that close, that goes to show what Bill Maher was saying earlier, where the divide was across the dining room table. It's not necessarily going to be that way in the future, even though the map might look the same, there might be an actual lopsided landslides in certain geographical areas that will show we are functionally, in fact, different countries. We are a union of states. I believe in that. The question, this comes up every election, right? It's like, but the question we need to ask ourselves is like, how would you induce states into a union today? You have to give them power. This is about keeping the union together. And this is what people don't understand about being hardcore ideological, even on a moral level, versus statesmanship and prudence. How are you going to actually get something done? Okay, let's continue again after the break. Hi, this is Brett King, a glass doctor of Greeley, Colorado. 970-616-3100. We take care of all of your home, auto, and business glass needs. Home glass repair, shower doors, mirrors, storefronts, window replacement. Come find us at 6310 West 10th Street in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, don't forget your auto glass and heavy equipment. Again, Brett King, glass doctor of Greeley. 970-616-3100. Hi, listeners. Jack here. The Hunting and Sportsman Gun Show is Northern Colorado's premier event in 2021. These shows feature dozens of vendors that guarantee the best selection of guns and ammo in Northern Colorado, from the Loveland Outlet Mall to Island Grove Park in Greeley. For show dates, locations, or table reservations, visit peshows.com. That is peshows.com. 
While you're out, visit Harsh Outdoors at 600 Oak Avenue in Eaton, Colorado. They carry a full line of ATVs, UTVs, mowers, trimmers, sprayers, and chainsaws from Husqvarna, DR, Generac, and EasyGo. Whether you have a half an acre or 1,000, they carry the equipment you need. They always have a full line gun store with lots of firearms, ammo, safes, and accessories. Check out HarshOutdoors.com. That's HarshOutdoors.com. Backyard or Back 40, Harsh Outdoors has got you covered. What's up, guys? It's Bucky Dillon from Your Morning Show, and I am proud to be partnered with Pride Roofing and Construction. There was a large windstorm recently. As many of you know, a lot of people's roofs ended up right in their lawn. Well, Pride Roofing and Construction would love to be the company that helps you out, and I cannot recommend them highly enough. They will come out and do a free, no-obligation inspection just so you know the condition of your home, and they will help you with every step of the insurance claim process. Just call 970-825-9305. Pride Roofing and Construction. Okay, well, we are back. And where we left off, the co-host was talking about statesmanship and, quote-unquote, getting things done. And this is probably where I differ from most people because within my chest bounce, yeah, beats my, I said bounces, it could be bouncing as well, but beats my cold little anarchist heart. And I don't want the state to quote unquote engage in statesmanship and getting things done. If a government is to exist, the only thing it should be quote unquote getting done is courts and defense. That is just papering over. You know, whenever I start hearing words like, well, you know, that's just not good statesmanship, I find it as a way to cover your trail that you're actually committing aggression, that statesmanship means that some of us have to accept certain violations of our rights in the spirit of the golden calf of compromise. Otherwise, you are just an ideologue. Well, I'll tell you something. I am a shameless ideologue on the issue of thou shalt not commit aggression against other people. It is the lesson we learned as children. It is that basic. You don't hurt people. You don't take their stuff. But the co-host is going to continue here on the idea of prudence and compromise. And is it okay to make compromises on certain values here and there in order to have your primary values or the one that's most important to you have success? Statesmanship is an entirely different thing than being an ideologue. And statesmanship requires prudence. And prudence is difficult. Prudence, by its very definition, is about making tough decisions between two competing interests that you have. I grab my wallet because... It's just papering over again aggression. No, you don't compromise principles. Now, 
he could have been using the words values, which I translate as principles, to actually mean preferences. We all have to have a hierarchy of preferences, and we do sacrifice some preferences in favors of other in favor of others that are more important to us. But principles, no. And the fundamental principle of non-aggression, no. And I don't care what you call it. I don't care if you call it a ham sandwich. I don't care if you call it prudence. It still is terrible. It still is aggression. And I still don't consent. People are facing all across the country right now when it comes to, do I comply with this VAX mandate? Do I have my kid take the VAX? If he doesn't take the VAX, then he can't go to school. If he doesn't get educated, then he can't get a job. If he doesn't get a job, et cetera, et cetera. Or do I stand up for this? I mean, this is why prudence is such a difficult thing to teach. It's a difficult thing to experience. Statesmanship is way different than just writing a book about theory and trying to say, this is the way everything should be. Well, the way everything should be is be without aggression. And the fact that you're saying that it's statementship and prudence to decide whether or not you're going to accept somebody absolutely violating your body. Now, I get it on one hand. You want to live, you know, provoking a confrontation with the government isn't very wise, but that's not because you're compromising your values. Your values remain intact. You just realize you'd rather live. Like maybe that is some kind of compromise of value and I'm not wording this right, but it's not that you're actually compromising a value. You're making a choice to live another day, but you're not saying, well, I'm going to say this is okay. You just are understanding that you can't win. But when you start talking about prudence, that is, in fact, in statesmanship, that is the very excuse that the current government is using now to justify its mandates, that this is statesmanship, that we have to balance the needs of the many and we have to sacrifice the individual for the needs of the many. That's what statesmanship and prudence is. Those kinds of words and those kinds of ideas, there's no breaks on that thing once you start going down the utilitarian road. Everything is about scale. Everything is about scale. One idea can work at one scale and it won't work at a different yep. scale. In yep. my family, it is communist. From, from it's expected that I can deliver the goods and everybody else gets what they need according to their needs. And that's beautiful. And I love it. It's perfect. But as the scale gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you need a different uh, form forming algorithm or it, a forming it's, it's ideology. Simple, bro. Imagine if someone was like, a car is a tool that can go from point A to point B. I need to move three, you know, 3,000 pounds of bricks and I have a car. It should work, right? Mm. It's like, no, you need a different vehicle for that process. Right. No, it's a okay. His first premise, I agree with him. Everything is about scale, and that's why these huge, large mega countries like mega churches just don't work. There's just too much inherent human diversity. But to then say your family is communist is just a real twisting of the term communism. I get what he is saying, though. This type of communal living, let's put it that way, communitarianism, cannot work on a huge scale while it might work in a family. So the point there is well taken, and that is an argument in favor of the fact that empires will always collapse. Prefer to have a controlled peaceful collapse. 
Okay, I think we're going on now to the last clip, which we'll discuss and then wrap up. Exactly right. So if, if our goal is to move resources from person to person on a small family level, yeah, it's great. You're a, you're a commune. You're a family. Someone's the boss. You know, there's varying degrees of who's in charge, depending on what riches you have, and everyone gets what they need. But if you want to move resources in a large-scale civilization, you need capitalism. And I would absolutely agree there. And I'd also say, and I don't think they were trying to press that family analogy on all fours, but that isn't communism because they were relying upon capitalism and the free market to bring the goods that he was allegedly communistically distributing amongst his family, which again was more communitarianism. But bringing this all together... I am really, really curious as to what you thought about his thesis, about this potential timeline, this so very unlikely timeline that he brought up. But big changes sometimes happen that way, very rapidly. Like, who would have expected the Berlin Wall to fall? Who would have expected slavery to end? But, I mean, just looking at the plausibility of it is quite i don't know just super super fascinating to me to 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 recap it again the scenario he is laying out is that with the government overreach with all of these mandates there are certain geographic areas where the leaders of those areas such as florida just said no we're not going to do that here. And then like-minded people who are in other geographic areas who probably would have stayed there even though it was so diverse and so diffuse that there never could be a coalescing of anything that would lead to an ideological separatist movement. I don't like using the word separatist because that's usually a Usually a word used of bigoted movements of like, you know, white supremacists or things like that. But ideological separatism. But because this absolute violation and intrusion upon our civil rights with some people who are just quite willing to accept it, which is unfathomable to me, how they'll stay put in the areas that are imposing these controls, but the people who say enough is enough are geographically relocating. So that is adding geographical boundaries to the pre-existing ideological differences that allow for a split. But inertia takes over. It would require another event to actually cause not just the geographical split, yet you stay together as a country. It would need something that would actually require separation as a country. And the scenario he put forth is the court was already, the Supreme Court was already going to be hearing challenges to Roe versus Wade, that there's a very good chance because the logical arguments in Roe versus Wade are extremely bad. And I think everyone has realized that for a while, even if you ultimately support the alleged right that they found in the penumbra of the Constitution. The argument is, is outdated science, and it just wasn't very good to begin with. It, it was an, a, 
they already had their conclusion. They needed to find arguments that they could twist to fit the conclusion. So with the prediction that Roe versus Wade may be going down, that would then set into motion these trigger events in other state in states that would then outlaw abortion leading up to November where I, I do think there is going to be the predicted red wave. The Democrats have bungled this so badly that I do think there will be. Could be wrong. I'm not in favor of a red wave any more than a blue wave. I, in, it, when I use this terminology, I don't like that the libertarian's color is yellow, because when you say you want a yellow wave, that sounds kind of disgusting. But I do think there will be a red wave. And if the Republicans finally did something they claimed they believed in, which is outlawing abortion. If they did then, in fact, do that nationally, that would, I surely believe, provoke a showdown. And that might be the final tender point. And I had never put all of these disparate events together the way he did. And that's why I really wanted to cover this, because this may be, in fact, the roadmap to the national divorce that I had talked about before. And that is it, everyone. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, and I will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Joey DeQuint, and I'm here to help you protect and build your wealth so you and your family can live your best life no matter what the world throws at you. Great. Another financial guy telling us to sell our gold and silver. Nope, not with me. I encourage hard assets, and I know a great place to buy gold and silver. Well, I'm sure you operate with high fees and commissions. Just the opposite. We pride ourselves with some of the lowest fees and commissions in the industry. Most financial guys are only interested in what they want to sell and don't want to listen to our customers, and we have some of the most educated listeners in the country. And once they make the sale, we never hear from them again. Not with me. I grow with my customers and check with them every quarter to ensure all of their goals are being met and to make sure that they have all the coverage they need as their life changes. Do you handle life and long-term care insurance as well? You bet we do. And the younger you are, when you get this coverage, the lower the cost. I'm Joe Jaquin, and I'm not just Joey's dad. I'm his client. When it comes to your financial well-being, deal with a name you can trust. Call Joey at 602-909-9048 or email joey.jaquin at nm.com. Due to the responses to our Ostrafarian CBD commercial, here's a message from Arnold. I don't know what the big deal is. I just try to use a little accent and sell some CBD and people get all upset at me. I just want to sell CBD. Buy CBD now. Now. Buy it now. To buy our fine, my kind CBD products, just go to the website, 1360khnc.com, click on the shop. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Lovell.